Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside with me today is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your college hooper of the week is Alabama guard, former Alabama guard, Trevor Relaford. Please, I beg of you, do not get it confused or mixed up with, I think, in college basketball circles, his slightly more famous brother, Travis Relaford. Travis, of course, was the player for Kansas. But Trevor Relaford also had a pretty substantial good career at Alabama. The Relaford brothers, I don't they, they kind of get lost in the pantheon of siblings that have played at the collegiate level. But uh, Travis obviously had a really good career at Kansas. I think he went pretty far on the tournament. Trevor Relaford is kind of turned the tide i think he was there maybe avery johnson's first year something or something around that time but trevor relaford your uh, college hooper of the week check out the website at the barnburner.com that's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on twitter at cbb theater you should also follow me at subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow taylor at taylor damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore bb Let's open the curtains. got i mean this is just vintage right here a couple weeks ago we did vintage t 
titchisms, if you will, talking about Preston Blaking. Uh, I think we were talking about Pavloving, and now it's just me and the shark today. Uh, we were supposed to have keeper of the Jerome, Brendan O'Rourke, and great friend of the program, but he he he, he fucked up his calendar, essentially, and that's okay. I'm not going to get on him. I'm not going to pressure him. I'm not going to accuse him, berate him, whatever you want. Uh, it is his girlfriend's father's birthday dinner. Tough to call someone out, uh, but I think he mixed up the date. Shark, how are you today? Not what you want to see, Father. You know, we're we're less than a week out, boys. You know, we got people dropping like flies. This is when the training should be increasing. This is when you should have more energy. This is when you should be staying up till one in the morning on Friday, on Saturday night, watching Utah State play a tough one against Fresno State while scouting Utah State's offense and wondering whether or not they're going to get an at-large bid. All right, this is not the time for excuses. This is the time to get the reps in and make sure that you're ready to rock and roll come next Friday. When, you know, there's no calling timeouts. All right. There's no calling timeouts at 1030 PM when you're, when you're staring down your bracket and you're doing the what if scenarios and wondering whether or not you're knocked out or not, you can't be doing that at this stage. So everyone needs to get their crap together. Um, you know, button up the helmet a little bit, snap in and let's get to work. Strong words, stern words, but fair words from the shark. I will say, and I'm glad you mentioned next Friday because guys do not get your calendar mixed up. This isn't starting on Thursday. Big uh, the the big baby start on Friday. Okay, make sure you're locked in for that. You're mentioning Friday before we came on the show here. Uh, I'm already brainstorming how I'm going to map this out. Of course, I've already taken work off. Not working on that Friday. Can't do it. First day of the tournament, a different type of energy on that Friday. I live in a small one bedroom apartment in Washington D.C. All right, my wife's going to be working in the other room. I can't really get in my habitat. All right. I can't get in my sanctuary when I need to be done. Normally I'm bar hopping across Northern Virginia, Arlington. You know, I'm going to bracket room. I'm going to the goat. I'm popping into Mr. Days. I'm doing all that sort of stuff. I'm not sure I can do it. I don't know if governor Northam's going to allow it. I sure as hell know that mayor Bowser in DC is not going to allow it. So I'm at a tough spot. What do I do? Brainstorming everything, get a hotel room, get a suite in DC and kind of just let people roll through. I'm thinking about going to the MGM, uh, the hotel casino that's in uh, Southern Maryland here. I might do that, but I need to get something where I can get outside of my my apartment and watch this at a place because normally you're going to bar hop for these early Thursday, especially Friday games, uh, but now we're in a tough spot. I think MGM might be your move because what I'm terribly afraid of is you hosting uh, a consortium of people or a turnstile of individuals coming in and out to your room. And it's not a COVID concern. I actually just don't think those people will show up. I have a feeling you're going to be stuck with your finger up your ass like Michael Scott circa 2005, 2006, when they're at that uh, summit. And he just says, look, I'm in the party room. I got everything going. And uh, Jim and his boss, that boss, by the way, you know, when you identify people in, in other films, he's I'm the... He's the dad. He's the villain in Outer Banks. Write that down. Um, so I, I'm just afraid of you sitting in a dark room by yourself with the strobe light blaring, maybe a little Kesha going, I don't know, and, and no one showing up. So I think you should say, look, get get a set group of people, get maybe a core three to four, because you don't really want to start entertaining like five or six people. Maybe some guy doesn't care that much about college basketball, and then you got to entertain him with conversation. Get guys that know you uh, and know that you want to be locked in, pony up at the bar for a little bit. And I don't know much about the MGM. Yeah, so I, I definitely got to do a little bit of a leader's recon this weekend to figure out if the MGM can support what I'm envisioning. Um, 
also you told me to write something down. It was way too much to write down. I, you know, write, write that down. I don't even remember what you said. All right. I get that's the point of writing it down, but you gave me too much. Let's, let's be a little bit sharper there. Um, and to really one point here, you know, can I, let's paint a scene here. I mean, we can go wedding crashers father after the wedding when he's sitting there and, you know, get pour it, get it while it's hot. If you don't mind splicing that in, I'm not sure we've ever actually spliced that. Be a great time for you to splice it right now. Splice that. Hello, son. You okay? Not now, father, please. No offense to you. I think we might be on different wavelengths. I think you'd just be spinning your wheels with me, but uh, have a little of the sacrament here. No one likes to drink alone. We'll set you up. There you go. Get your hands on it. Take it while it's hot. Take it while it's hot. I'm going to pour this on the train. Or we can uh, just go, you know, you're my therapist. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm laying down. I'm, I'm confiding in you. I'm give, telling you my deepest, darkest secrets. And you're bringing up the scenario of what if nobody shows up? Deep down, Father. I might like that more, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm blocked in the hotel by myself. I got the world, you know, everyone's in front of me. So, you know, I, deep down to places I don't necessarily want to talk about unless I got some type of confidentiality going on with you right here, whether you're the father and wedding crashers or my therapist on the chair. Hey, both good options, both good options. I think we've reached a point now though, shark in, in our broadcasting and the theater goers love us. I had, three or four DMS this past week asking to get into the Jerome. Unfortunately, they missed, they missed the, uh, the deadline really, but you might just have some guys banging on your door being like, Hey, is this, this the sharks room? You need, you need someone to watch this 15 too. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to publicize the location. That's going to be close held information. All right. That's going to be on a need to know where we're at, but you know, I'm, I'm brainstorming out loud as well. So if anyone's got suggestions on how to handle this, you know, the great way, if you don't live in a very vibrant city, you know, get an Airbnb or something. Most people probably aren't, don't have the, uh, the small apartment issue with working from home going on, but yeah, it's a, well, it's a new you, world we're dealing with. Here's a, here's for starters. And well, look, I'm okay with embracing this new world, especially after what happened last year when we just couldn't even entertain some of these solutions that we're throwing out here right now. At this point last year, we were still weeping in our own palms. But what I will say for everyone is minutes, anytime leading up to Selection Sunday show, and then the second it's done, like, don't go to, you don't need to go to ESPN to listen to Billis and Greenberg and all these other guys break down matchups. Do that on your own. But the minutes and hours leading up to Selection Sunday show afterwards, and then up until when's the first game? Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Sorry. And I, I want to retract that. Calendar should be marked for Thursday. Uh, so when you're listening to this, five minutes ago and you're saying, Oh, Subi, uh, you don't even know the calendar. It starts Friday. Here's a, here's a posthumous. Fuck you. I do. Remember. Well, you're, you're talking about the playing game, right? Yes, I am talking yeah, about the playing yeah. game, but the point that the original point that I'm trying to make here is relinquish the TV, give up those minutes because starting Thursday, you need to be able to have enough goodwill with your partner, whoever you share your house with, to say, no, 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 no. We watch Bravo all day, Monday, Tuesday. I was watching Below Deck with you throughout the entire day, all right? This is now my time. Or you have that plan B, plan C, where you do the strobe lights in a room or you go to the MGM. Well, and let's also be fair. Below deck is kind of a treat as well. You know, you're not really suffering by throwing that on. And I would also, you know, take... Take uh, build up some equity in other areas as well, not just about TV. Go out, do a chore, go for a walk. I laid the groundwork last weekend. I did a lot of errands. I booked a move. I'm moving from DC to Boston in these coming months here, so I got to prep for that. I'm doing all the grunt work that I, you know, that I don't want to be doing in two weeks. 
um, it's, it's a good way to set yourself up for success. Well, I'd say the blow deck quip is because, you know, I like it too. So see if you can get away with something that yeah. you, you enjoy as What's well. What's the other one? You don't necessarily have charm? to publicize it. Yeah. Pu- Southern charm. Or summer uh, house, right? Uh, summer house is good too. I don't mind any of the real housewives. Uh, I mean, if you really, if you really want my, my strong ringing endorsement for a Bravo show, it's going to be family karma, but I'm a supporter. Yeah. What side do you stand on? You, you know, I stand on that Indian side of cashmere. Always on that side. That's all I needed to hear. I want to go back real quick to your point, though, about staying up late because on Monday night, I stayed up until around 1.30, 1.45 for a West Coast Conference semifinal. It was between BYU and Pepperdine. Dogfight, an absolute rock fight between those two. I love Lorenzo Romar. Ever, I have for quite some time. Um, Colby Ross hit a game-tying shot at the end of regulation, but not only was this tip at midnight Eastern time, the second half, uh, the second half had, I think 16 total fouls, 10 minutes in, I think at the under two time or at the under four timeout, excuse me, there were 38 fouls combined in the entire game. So mix in the fact that this was already a late tip plus a just drag it out type of officiating game. And you find yourself up at one but how are you rewarded? with a Colby Ross game-tying shot, all right? I, I BYU goes on to win. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I got a couple of deviations on this point. One, I commend you for watching a tip. I agree. It's 11-year time when it tipped off, right? So it was, for us East Coast guys, it, this was at 12. This was a midnight tip, all right? And I kind of respect the conference. Um, it was BYU and Pepperdine, right? I respect them for just fully embracing, hey, look, we're – we're not trying to appease the East Coast guys. We're gonna, we're West Coast. We're going to tip it late. It's kind of like what um, the A10 was doing last week, that most of their games were being played in the middle of the day because uh, this is the A10. I mean, it's still pretty good basketball, but they want to get eyeballs on it. Uh, and one way that they can distinguish themselves from other you know regular season Power 5 games is by having their games played at obscure times. And it was pretty good. We got to watch UMass uh, play pretty well and then – kind of blow it. We got a little bit, a little bit of a sip of the Bonnies. My guy, Mark Schmidt, um, got a little hung Jung Lee, a lot of good players that you never would have really watched outside of it. Um, and I guess the West coast conference, it's West coast conference, right? West coast yeah. conference, West coast conference. They, they were able to, uh, you know, achieve a similar type Avenue for freak shows like you watching it deep at night. Well, you mentioned Mark Schmidt, Dennis Gates, as we record this, we'll be going for an NCAA tournament berth. Two guys rumored to be linked to the Boston College job. Before we dive in to uh, the main reason why we're you know, the main topic at hand today, Boston College officially ending their season. They lose to Duke by like 30 some odd. You've been a big Spinelli guy. Now, you might be doing that ironically. I genuinely don't know. But there have been some names linked now to the BC job. We mentioned Gates, Spinelli, the interim Schmidt, Pat Kelsey, I think, has now been linked. Beeline turns you down. Thad Mata. Holy shit. Hang on, real quick. Theater goer, because we know this answer. Ask yourself, think to yourself, how old is Thad Mata? I'll give you two seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Shark, can you tell him the answer? Thad Mata is 53 years old. That might be the worst 53 I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, 
So the BC coaching search, the message boards boards are saying within a week, within this week, we'll know. Um, I mean, maybe that means. I mean, you would assume if Mark Schmidt wins the A10 tournament on Saturday, it's not going to be him because he's still going to be coaching his team. and can take the same for Gates if they make the tournament. Uh, well, I really hope it's not Matt McCall at UMass. That that has been floated out there. I almost you know turned in my internet subscription at that point. Um, but yeah, you know, Thad Mata was linked to it, and I guess supposedly BC called him. Said, hey, Dad, you interested? He said, don't want to live in Boston. Uh, so it's the opposite of Chuck Cedar. He was not interested in that. So he, he he did not accept that. And he wants to keep living in Florida on a beach, which, all right, do what you got to do. You probably could use the rest based off uh, what you look like right now at 53. Well, you told us that you told us the Mata news and I said no stop stop rehashing the old guard you know what you get with Thad Mata he's already done x amount of things at Ohio State he just he doesn't and Xavier he doesn't seem like a guy that's ready to jump back in and then you told me he's 53 and I was just appalled Thad Mata is a witch brewing his cauldron right his his witch's potion that's the face Thad Mata has the face of a man who's just been weathered and beaten and I'm thinking to myself, if he's 53 now, then he was, what, 38, 39 when they went to the title game with Greg o- Greg Oden. Greg Oden somehow. I mean, him and, him and Mata, that might be the two, the, the worst aging tandem I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know what – I don't want to talk about him. He turned us down. He's dead to me. Spinelli, he brought up Spinelli too. Was, was it ironic or not? You know. I'm afraid to admit it wasn't ironic. I actually believed in the guy and he turned out to be a disaster. I mean, we we're terrible. That is terrible. That is probably the worst power five basketball team in the country. Boston college, just an absolute disgrace to the program. What's happened over the past decade or so. And I really hope that this next guy can figure it out because I'm hurting over here. I'm hurting. Well, I posed that question. Who's the worst power five team and i said it was either kansas state or iowa state and then here's another shocking Although, development yeah, kansas state made the elite eight like two years ago well, i was saying state- strictly this year oh yeah well, i'm talking about in the past decade yes yes yeah. okay that could be right past decade yes generally speaking i'm not gonna i won't argue there i i one point i do want to bring up while we're here is you're talking about the length of that byu pepperdine game same sort of issue with Iowa and Wisconsin over the weekend as well. I'm pretty sure the final one minute of that game when they had the foul on uh, Bohannon and then on the back end, they're going to look at Davidson getting the hook and hold. It took about 20 minutes just to go 45 seconds. Just a disastrous way to spend your Sunday. We got to get this together. Uh, We cannot have this in March because there's going to be so many different things going on. So the refs need to, and this is a very popular take. So I'm not, I know, most people don't come to the show for the the main headlines that are probably out there, but that was just a terrible viewing experience. Sadly, I think it's only going to be enhanced and we're going to be seeing it even more because it's March because these are single elimination games. I agree with you. I hope we don't see it, but I mean, the reviews, the number of fouls, I genuinely think I have, I don't think I've ever seen more charge calls than I did in that BYU Pepperdine game. Yeah, and the charge is an argument for another day as well. But it's you should be able to obviously tell, eye test, when someone is just flopping and doing the charge because they had some type of advantage where the guy's lowered his shoulder or you beat him to the spot. You know, I, I, Naismith wasn't thinking about, you know, flopping when Brad Davison gets his 
someone gets his forearm on Brad Davison's, you know, thigh. You know, that shouldn't that shouldn't be that's what weren't what they were not thinking about when they came up with this sport. So I I don't know how you fix it, but it is frustrating. It is, certainly. Uh let's pivot to the Jerome though. And you know what they say. I'm gonna leave you here or intro you, I suppose, with a couple lines. They say Jerome is where the heart is. They also say all lead, all roads lead to the Jerome. It's a little Rome bit, little home bit. Let's dive in. Some picks. We were supposed to have uh, the keeper, like I had mentioned, Brendan O'Rourke, go through some of his, his picks and even take a look at some of the past week because conference tournaments have started. The CAA, before we dive into our week two picks and the major conferences, Shark, we got right now Elon and Drexel going at it. An eight seed in Elon, a six seed in Drexel. I think you took Drexel in the CAA, did you not? I did take Drexel. That's an impressive pick. One of these teams is going to have, and I hate to be that guy, but one of these teams with a win is going to get 130 some odd points hung on them by Gonzaga, you would think, right? Um, yeah, this is certainly one of the 16s, arguably a play in 16 as well. So you're probably right, but we'll see what happens because as we're recording this, Gonzaga and BYU, they're playing tonight. I'm the only guy in the Jerome that went BYU in this spot. So some good value picks there, but I mean, worth noting in the CAA, and this is why we love March. It, it bears repeating for the umpteenth time, Elon Drexel, eight seed versus six seed with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. All right, shark. Let's dive in now for some week two picks. We'll start with the American who you got. Houston. I did too. I, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I've just been too loyal to Houston all year. They're not the bad offensive team that they historically are got lucky with that one over Memphis over the weekend, but they're putting themselves in a position where there's so many teams in the American as well. So I, I think Houston should be able to uh, at least get to the final. Well, did you see Samson got himself an extension too? Well, yeah. And they know that let's say, let's say Illinois or let's say Michigan drops early in the big 10 tournament. If Houston wins out, they got it's a possibility that they could get a one seed right there. Dejan Giroux, I feel like he might be a a Heisman or a Van Wilder House guy, but he's a glue guy. He's a great player for the Cougars to have. They got Grimes, the transfer from Kansas. They have all the talent, and I feel like everyone's so enamored with how heavy the top three, top four teams have really been. When you talk about Gonzaga, when you talk about Baylor, when you talk about Michigan, um, and even Michigan struggled just a little bit. Houston's been pretty damn consistent all year. I don't know if they've dropped out of that top 10 all year. Yeah, no, they, they have been consistent. Their only losses, they lost to Wichita a few weeks ago, and Wichita's actually pretty good. Um, shout out Greg Marshall right there. And their other losses were, I think, to some shitty teams. So, you know, bad losses, of course, and they didn't play the hardest out-of-conference schedule in the world, but they did beat Texas Tech earlier in the year. I think they played South Carolina as well. So they at least made the effort to get outside their conference. Uh, but they're really not going to be tested until the tournament. And in the past, you can look at how they've performed in the tournament, how Houston teams, Kelvin Sampson's Houston teams have played in the tournament. They beat Ohio State two years ago. Um, you know, they've been high ranked before. So I, I think they'll be, you know, they had the one against Michigan with uh, Rob Gray that they lost on. That was Livers on the three point shot, too, right? Jordan Poole. That was Jordan Poole. Thank you. Freshman um, Jordan Poole. But they have, I think they were on the losing end against UCLA on a weird tip in or potential goaltending call. It was the, I think it was the Lonzo Bryce Alford or 
yeah, Bryce mm-hmm. Alford team. But I mean, I was going to bring that up. I mean, Houston has been on the shitty end of some rough shots in the tournament. You got to think their luck hopefully changes this year. Yeah, and I, I think is Wichita actually the one seed in the American? They might be. Um, yeah, they are. Wichita's eleven and two. Houston's fourteen and three. So, well, I mean, really, the only teams that can beat them would be obviously Memphis because they played them close, and I think Wichita State. So, th- those are really the unless something crazy happens. But I think Houston's too good to be upset by someone that's worse than those two teams. One for one. Not the start that you and I wanted. We need a little conflict here. So we're both on the Cougars. Let's go to the ACC. Who you got? Florida State. Uh, I want Florida State here just because I kind of like their path. Um, I could see UVA, who's the one seed, tripping up in the second round of Syracuse. Syracuse always plays well at this time of year. But I ultimately went Florida State just because I don't think really anyone else in the term in the ACC is that great. Agreed on that last point. This conference tournament was actually the toughest one for me to pick. A lot of times people will say, oh, well, how do you pick the MEAC or the CAA when you don't really follow these guys as much as you do the other big, big-time big conferences? It's funny because one of the big biggest-time conferences, really, not necessarily this year, like you had mentioned, they're not very good, but the ACC, looking at, at the board top to bottom, you're thinking to yourself, can Duke potentially make a run? They might have the talent. Can they recapture some of that two-week magic that they had towards the end of the season before they shit their pants against Carolina and some other team prior to that? Can Duke take it from all the way to the 10 seed to the title game? And then you got Virginia, who's the number one seed, but they've shown signs that they can't play offense whatsoever. Louisville has shown signs of, of really good wins as well. Carly Jones, I think, is a first-team uh, player. Right. And then you mentioned obviously Florida State, but then they go and lose to Notre Dame. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, who the hell am I going to take? And I ultimately ended up with Virginia because of Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett loves racking up conference titles, loves racking up regular season titles. This is what UVA does. Uh, Hauser, I think, is another first team player, great shooter, and a great addition for them. Uh, So I'm going to go with the Cavaliers this year. But to be honest with you, I'm not very confident. I don't know who the hell is going to come out of the ACC. I think Clemson even is on a seven-game winning streak or something. Yeah, so I mean, in terms of the amount, who who can play themselves into the tournament? That's one question as well, because you're going to have the NC States and the Syracuses. um, You know, Georgia Tech, I think, should be in the tournament at this point. But you had a few people that could use a win or two to get themselves on the right side of that bubble. And this bubble is crowded. You know, some teams don't necessarily deserve to be on it. And, you know, for example, like a Seton Hall, I don't think Seton Hall deserves to be in the tournament at all because they're essentially a 500 team. Um, and you know, Maryland, another one, Big Ten, essentially a 500 team. I would rather see some of these schools like Drake or I don't know about Drake. I know that you, they had no, a great. I would like to see Drake, but like a Utah but they're, State they're different. But they're a completely different team post injury. Yeah, I, and that's why I mean Drake got racked up most of their wins when they were healthy and they're not right now. They play like seven guys to the, to the bone. I think another dude got hurt on Sunday as well. So, I mean, that's just, I don't want to see him just get bounced in the first round. Utah state maybe, but they have seven losses in the mountain West as well. So you got to, it's a tough one. Uh, but if a school like Syracuse and NC state or any of those, those other ones can get rack up a few wins, they should be comfortably in. ACC is going to be a lot of fun. Usually it's a lot of fun because these are, teams battling for the number one seed. We might be sitting here on selection Sunday without an ACC team 
on at least the three line for the first time since 1979. I think Florida State has the best opportunity to do it. I think at the end of the day and on Sunday, Florida State will be a three seed because I, don't, I mean, I think they are one of the top 12 teams in the country, but it's a very, it is a possibility. I'll say it, I'll leave it at that. It's a possibility that we don't see an ACC team within the top 12 seeds of the NCAA tournament. That's pretty fucking crazy. Big East, father. Talk to me. I want UConn. Uh, I want UConn. They're probably the hottest team right now. You look around the conference, Villanova's the one seed, but I mean, come on, they're, 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 they're struggling to this point. Gillespie's out. Um, the, he, he, he stirs that offense. He's, he's the heart and soul of the team as well to take two cliches and put them into one. Creighton's a dark horse. Uh, maybe they, they're in a decent spot. They get Butler or Xavier in the second round, but I'm going with UConn just because they have another guard that can just absolutely take over the game and uh, steal the show at MSG. It's incredible how it always comes to fruition with UConn with these kind of guys. I mean, during the Kevin Ollie years after Shabazz Napier, they were dormant, obviously, and that's what ushered in the Danny Hurley era. Now they have a man by the name of James Booknight who is going to be in the NBA. And for my money, one of the top three most, from a strictly value perspective, right? If you take him away, this team is terrible. If you put him on the roster, they are a Sweet 16, potentially Elite Eight type of team. I went with UConn as well. So we're in agreement on two of the uh, of the first three, but yeah, I, I'm going with UConn. Uh, please don't sleep on Xavier, though. I don't know why, but this Xavier team—they were playing really good ball before they got paused because of COVID. Zach Fremantle, I think, is the second team, uh, second team in the conference. Don't sleep on Xavier. I think they can make a run and maybe get themselves off of the bubble. But I am going UConn uh, to win the tournament. I'm the exact opposite of that. I went to bed at 7.30 p.m. on Xavier, and I'm sleeping until 10 a.m. All right, I've, I've gone to sleep. I watched them. I watched their game against Marquette over the weekend. They don't have Nate Johnson, who was a key player for them. Um, the rest of that team is a little bit soft. Fremantle can play. Scruggs is good, but I'm off of Xavier. If you can't beat Marquette when they're under 500 and they've given up and they might be getting rid of their coach and what is a bubble game for you right there, you got to win that to stay competitive then I can't do nothing for you. If you go on to win a few games, who do they got in the first room? Um, I said it earlier, Butler. So you got Butler, then you got Creighton. If you win those two, now we can have a conversation, but I think you're going to be in a tough spot against Creighton in that second round. We've been dogging Creighton all year, basically saying that they're softer than angel, angel food cake, right? They're a very soft team, but they've rounded into form. They now, I mean, I'm not going to use this McDermott story as a rallying cry or anything like that, but they could adopt a us against them sort of mentality. Uh, Ballot can still obviously shoot Zagorowski, veteran guard. We'll see. I, I don't think Creighton's going to win the tournament. And obviously, it's it's kind of sad how much Gillespie actually. You want to talk about value? His his value to them, and then Justin Moore is out with an ankle sprain or whatever it is. But yeah, Nova's done. Uh, I, I think. Creighton, obviously, I mean, it's not going out on a limb, but Creighton could end up winning this winning this conference as well. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. We've been saying Creighton soft all year, not to take a the McDermott incident, but you never know. Sometimes that makes people unsoft when you, people start having franker conversations with one another. So maybe that toughens them up a little bit. Let's go now to the big sky. Who you got? Big sky. I want Eastern Washington. Uh, I believe they were the preseason favorite. I 
what are the, what are they seated here? Um, looks like they're the two seed. No, yeah, the two seed. Uh, they're going to have to play Weber State. I went Eastern Washington. They're the preseason favorite. They can light up the scoreboard. They've been in the tournament the past couple of years. Um, Tanner Groves. I mean, j- they just score a lot. So I, I want to take a team that can score. Three out of the first four, we are in alignment. I went with the boys from Cheney, Washington as well, Eastern Washington. And I can speak on behalf of Taylor. He for sure would have gone with Eastern Washington. His mother went to Eastern Good. Washington. I so. Say what you want about Taylor, but that guy's got a freaking stranglehold on that part of America. You know, from basically Seattle to Chicago down to Denver. That's Taylor Dommel country right there. All right. It's a I don't know what pronunciation of his last name. I got to tell you. Uh, what do you want me to do? Pronounce it correctly. It's four letters. Um, all right. Damn. There you go. Big Is 10. It? Oh, you're talking to me. Big 10. Um, Big 10, Big 10, Big 10, Big 10. Illinois. Illinois, I went with them solely because um, Brad Underwood's really embracing being the Big Ten champs, and he's t- ma- making it very personal. Uh, there was a little tiff between him and Juwan Howard about who was the Big Ten regular season championship, and I think it'll come down to whoever wins this tournament as to who's got the bragging rights for that. Illinois is clicking right now. I don't know if they can win it all, but they're clicking right now. They're one of the teams that can win it all for sure. And the reason I like them over – Iowa, even though they just beat them for that. And the reason I like them over Ohio State also just beat them at a close one. And the reason I like them over Michigan is because Eli Carter on uh, Michigan got hurt. Or Eli Brooks. Did I screw up his last name? Eli Carter. Believe, it. Believe it's Brooks. Could be yeah, wrong. Carter was the point guard on BC in Florida a few years ago. My bad. But yeah, he got hurt against Michigan State. So guards are crucial. Um, he was a senior guard. I... I'm just going to roll with Illinois for this one just so they can have something to hang their hat on if they're not going to win a title because it has been a phenomenal year for them. Well, not only have we disagreed finally here, but it's almost like we've switched stances. Illinois has been my boys for the better part of a year and a half, and this year you've been on Ohio State, and that's who I'm going to be taking for the Big Ten title, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Value pick number one. What are they? They're like the fifth seed. Yeah, so, so yeah, they're the fifth seed. They got to play one extra game, though. I mean, that's just a dumb pick. You know, you no. can pick what you want to pick, but they got to play one extra game. They got to. They're going to have to beat Minnesota and Northwestern, which should be easy. Then they're going to have to play to uh, Purdue. You know, you never know what's going to happen with Purdue. That's a tough. Purdue's team a to good team. Up. Yeah, no, they are a tough team, but. I think Chris Holtman and Ohio State can reset and and recapture how hot they were during the middle part, last third of the season, I suppose you could say. Uh, the, the wheels have sort of come off ever since they lost to Michigan State in East Lansing, but they're also one of the hottest teams in the country. But I'm going to go with uh, Ohio State. I trust Chris Holtman during this time of year. I also really like EJ Liddell. He uh, made first team all conference. He's going to be a name that you're going to be thinking about and knowing about more and more as the tournament comes around. EJ Liddell, watch out for him. Justice Suing, I've been on him for a while, ever since his Pac-12, excuse me, Pac-12 days at Cal. Uh, so I like Ohio State. And if they get to the finals, if they win, that's that's some major points for me because I don't think a lot of people are going to be taking the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously love Ohio State as well. They have been stumbling at the wrong time, so they can't really guard anyone. Um, Purdue's a tough team to guard, so I hope I hope they can get through that. But, yeah, I, I hope they get a nice path in the tournament because I want them to go far. Let's go to the Big 12, probably the best conference in America right now. Who you got? Baylor. I want Baylor. Um, 
the game on Sunday against Texas Tech kind of just proves it to me. They're 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 a very special team at this point. They can defend at both levels. I know Kansas is hot. I know this is kind of Kansas's opportunity right here. But for the same reason with the Big Ten, it's just I want to take a team that's going to play fewer games, and I want to take a team that's going to get the best possible first matchup. So that's why I went with them. You wanted me to give you things to write down that were easy and quick. K-I-S-S, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. That's all you got to do here with Baylor. Best team in the country, in my opinion. I know you got on me for sending a text saying, oh, I think I'm going to take them to win it all. Little little spoiler there. I got to see how the brackets play it out. Don't hold me to that. But Baylor right now is playing like the best damn team in the country. I think when they pulled that game out of the fire in Morgantown, that's really when we saw that those are those are games Baylor loses historically, really, uh, whether it be in the regular season or in the tournament. But keep it simple here. Baylor's going to win this this conference tournament. I don't think anyone's going to challenge him really, maybe up until the semifinal or the final itself. But I'm going with the Bears as well. Big West. Big West. I went UC Irvine. I went Irvine. Um, I wish I could have something to point this to directly, but you know, I just want to see Irvine. They're the anteaters, right? Anteaters, baby. You remember Mamadou Actually, in, my note, in my note here, I know, yeah, Njai. And then uh, a couple years ago, they won without him as well. Who was the guy that um, transferred to Arizona? Hazard, right? Jacob Hazard. That's right. Wasn't he UC Irvine as well? He was a lot they're, of Arizona connections here, actually. And I'm going to give you they're, some they're an electric team. team. They're a great turn. I think they beat Kansas State a few years ago with Hazard. But I looked up, I was looking them up. I'm looking at my notes now. They're top 40 Ken Palm def- uh, defensive efficiency. That's good enough for me. I'll take Irvine right there. They're, they're normally in the tournament. I like. Well, Jacob Hazard came from UC Irvine to Arizona and had a bit of a spark. Here's a guy that left Arizona and is giving the future Big West Conference Tournament champions, UC Santa Barbara, Spark, and that's Joe Pasternak. He won Coach of the Year at uh, UC Santa Barbara in that conference. I'm going with him to get it done outside of that. Don't have a ton ton of knowledge about the Big West. I, I can't lie to you guys. Conference USA. Talk to me. I wanted to go Western Kentucky for this one just because I wanted to rub it in Boar's face when he was supposed to be on this podcast because he's super upset that Western Kentucky made the top 50 of Titch's manifesto when Providence didn't, and I just wanted to take that uh, for this reason. Also, they've had a pretty good season, too, so I went Western Kentucky. Well, you got to take that plus the best player. He's an NBA player, Charles Bassey. We've been on Bassey for, I think, the better part of a year and a half as well. Hit Bassey in Illinois, two of my guys. Two of my trains that I've been on. Uh, I'm taking Western Kentucky Hilltoppers as well. Did not think about that little O'Rourke PC nugget, though. That's how you tie it all the way back to what we were doing over the offseason. Well done. Yeah, and if you're at home and you're keeping a list of all of Subi's boys and all of his teams, you got um, Lunch Pale Luca, you got Illinois, you got Baylor that he just brought up, you got Bassey. You're probably turning the second page of that legal pad that you're doing there, keeping track of all this stuff. So just let I'm letting you know that I know. But the list is getting long. Well, it, I'll whittle it down. Once bracket bracket time comes, I have no choice but to whittle it down. I have to whittle it down to one. Yes, That's the beauty of it. Yeah, and I'll do it. Don't worry. All right. Um, all right. Let's move on now to the MAAC. I'm not going to lie. I'm blanking right now on the actual name of this conference. The MAC. What is it? Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, Father. I mean, everyone's going to know that. I'm picking Sienna. Jimmy Pate brought them to the tournament about 12 years ago. Uh, 
Actually, no, that was Fran McCaffrey that did that. Why did I just bring up Jimmy Pezos? It couldn't have been Fran McCaffrey. No, Fran McCaffrey was the coach of Siena. Yeah. Uh, this was like 2008. Oh, I thought Got you said a few this... years ago. No, no, I said, didn't I say 12 years ago? Might have yeah, been. but anyways. Not sharp always... right now between oh, us. We're not sharp. I always like Siena. I went Siena. All right. I'm going to go Iona. I hate that you went Siena, and you're not going with our guy, Rick Patino. And here's a little ode to Brendan. He made us, uh, he, he gave us the line. He had a predetermined line that he was going to use, and it's a great line. He was going to refie uh, Jerry Maguire and Renee Zellweger when she says, Shut up. Shut up. You had me at hello. O'Rourke is picking Iona and saying, Shut up. Shut up. You had me at Patino. Same. We've been on Patino. You've been on Patino. We've been talking about him. Uh, say it with me for the better part of a year and a half. Ever since he was at Olympiacos, right, in, in Greece, and he resurfaced. Now he's back here at the D1 level. No point in, in not rooting for Iona. I mean, this is strict. Don't, don't, this is a, this is something that you pick with your heart, not necessarily your head. You got to go with Patino strictly for the fact that you want to see him in the tournament. Yeah, I. They just had the long pause though, so it's tough. Um, and I, yeah, I, I kind of I'm jealous. You know, I kind of wish I took Patino in this spot right here just to be supporting him. Um, but I'm also kind of pissed off that BC's not going to hire him, so he's dead to me. That's the thing. Also, quick PSA, and it bears repeating every single year come tournament time. If you've taken obviously like a one over a sixteen or a two over a fifteen, do not let that inhibit you. Do not let that stop you from rooting for the upset, for rooting for what makes you happy. Throw your bracket out, root for the 15, root for the 16. How does this apply here, Shark? If it's Iona versus Siena, or if you really, really, you said you're jealous. If you really, in your heart of hearts, deep down in places you don't talk about, want Patino, do not let that prohibit you. Throw out your pick. Yeah. I Well, I can't now. I mean, the pick's in. Yeah, but don't, I'm saying no, no, no. don't, but don't, don't be you know, a hardo. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Was that the yeah, NFL, NFL draft tech? That's good. Except. But I, I'm saying, like, if you're in a group chat, don't be that guy saying, "Oh no, fuck Patino, can't have Iona." Like, you don't have to. You don't have to dig your feet in the ground for for Sienna. Is what I'm saying. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. All right, let's go to Maxion. Who you got? This one was easy for me. I went Toledo. Oh, a huge Toledo guy, not just in terms of their basketball team, but the city had a wonderful stay there about 40 years ago for a work trip. Great place, but they also have a great player. Guy's name's Marion Jackson, triple-double in their most recent game. Toledo is top 15 in Ken Palm on offense. I mean, these guys light up the scoreboard. They're 20 and seven. They're a pretty tough team. So if we can get them in the tournament, they're one of those 14 seeds, 13 seeds that you're not going to want to get up, get up against because they can really, I'm just already thinking, you know, if they get matched up with Tennessee, that's a bad matchup for Tennessee. So um, I think they're a good team. I think they're going to win it. That's my pick. I was wrestling with this pick and Based on the fact that, I mean, everything is telling me to take Toledo. I went with Kent State instead. I'm just envisioning Mac being a tournament like the CAA, where chalk just goes completely haywire. Nothing nothing chalk happens. Uh, so I'm going to go with Kent State here as opposed to Toledo. But in my heart of hearts, I probably think, yeah, Toledo's going to win this. But went with Kent State. The MIAC, who you got? 
MIAC. Thank you for asking. Uh, MIAC is Norfolk State. Worth the pick. One of the worst teams in the country. This is a horrible conference, so we're really picking, picking, <laughs> slim pickings here. Uh, but I want Norfolk State. Norfolk State with still, in my estimation, one of the most underappreciated upsets over Frank Hates number ranked to Virginia or excuse me, Missouri team. That was Kyle O'Quinn. I think the Pressy brothers were on that Missouri team. Uh, and Missouri really has never been the same since. So at, at the very least, you got that historical factor going there for Norfolk State. I am taking NCA and T. The only reason being is because it was around 3:30 or so PM. I turned on ES or I turned on NBA TV. NCA and T was playing, and Deuce McAllister was announcing their game. That was enough for me to take them. So I went with the Aggies and the Miac. Now I think the rest of these. Con- well, actually, no, that's a lie. The yeah, next there's... two, next three conferences are, are relevant. Next three conferences are relevant. And then we're gonna. How about this? Let me switch it up. Let's get the irrelevant conferences out of the way, which is the beauty of the Jerome. But we'll circle back uh, to some more well-known conferences. Let's go to the Southland Conference. Who you got? Abilene Christian. No analysis to support it, but I want Abilene. I went Sam Houston State, no analysis to support it, but theater to support it. One of the more underappreciated films is The Alamo. I believe Love Dennis Quaid is in it. Yeah, I know you do. You know, I'm a huge Alamo guy. Huge. I'm a historian. You know, it's a hobby of mine. Like right now, I'm diving into a Bunker Hill war, uh, Battle of Bunker Hill. I don't know why I said Bunker Hill war. Reading too much Philbrick right now. But big Alamo guy, too. William Barrett, Travis, what a leader. Wow. It's a fascinating story. It really is. And I have been to San Antonio, seen the Alamo, remember it more importantly, walked the river walk. Uh, you like that? Good. That was, <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're listening, you can't appreciate that right there. I don't know what to, I don't know what to give you. It's good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Sam Houston State out of the Southland. Swack, who you got? Swack, Prayer Review A&M. Love Prayer Review. Take them each time, every single year. Lock it up, Prayer Review. Jackson State, the past two years, they've had just Dion, I mean, Dion fan. Yeah, so it's the Dion thing this year. And then last year it was snacks, or maybe that was two years ago. But uh, the the student manager who came in senior night hit a big three. I love those stories. So at the very least, Jackson State, they're making they're making waves across the national media. These other guys, Prairie View a and I don't know what they're doing. Jackson State, though, they're the sexy pick. Also, I think their head coach has this ridiculous bow tie, uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Jackson State there. That's a nugget. Bow tie on a coach. That's something that it's got my attention. DiCaprio gift, Django. Uh, whack. Who you got? Uh, I went whack, and I went um, New Mexico State just because of Chris Jans. I like Chris Jans as a coach. Uh, I like redemption stories. He's got one. He's on it right now. They made the tournament a few years ago with them when they had like seven guys that were averaging nine points a game, and that was about it. That's I like the way they play ball. Mexico State. I know you're probably going to pick Grand Canyon because everyone is super, you know, they're so popular and they're so, you know, they, they zig when everyone else is zag. But yeah, give me Chris Jans to out, out coach everything about him. I am going to go with GCU. I looked up and I was like, wow, Bryce Drew, not a bad job rebuilding, not a bad job picking yourself off the mat after getting embarrassed at Vanderbilt. 
I'm going to go GCU to finally make the NCAA tournament. The fan base deserves it. The city deserves the central Arizona, actually the entire fucking state, the state of Arizona deserves an NCAA tournament team. Lord knows Arizona's not getting it. ASU's not getting it. NAU not getting it. It's going to be GCU out of the whack. That game I referenced for New Mexico state was against Auburn when Auburn went to the final four a few years ago and New Mexico state lost by one point. I remember it being a great game with a crucial free throw missed at the end. Tragic. New Mexico state is always that 15 or 14 seed that I'm like, they're going to get it done this year. And then you lose a heartbreaker to Auburn. I remember that as well. I believe I was in the airport and route to new Orleans. Uh, and then the year prior, two years prior, they just got their asses whooped by Kansas. I thought that was going to be a 14, three upset. Yeah. Live and you learn. All right. Let's round it out now with three, uh, pertinent or more well-known conferences, I suppose. Mountain West. This is a very interesting conference here, Shark. Tell me who's going to win the Mountain West Conference. So San Diego State's the one seed. I'm going Utah State again. You know, I, I as I go through this process, I'm over 30 years old at this point. I've realized I have a very big weakness. I'm a sucker for efficient mid-major offensive teams that are not very athletic and can't play defense. And Utah State can play defense, but they are athletically challenged. They have a great player who I think is going to play at the next level in Nemius Keita. But for other teams that I loop into that, I pick Belmont. I pick BYU. I pick um, – who is the other example? Date, I'm not Dayton. Davidson. Those are teams I typically like. Utah State always falls into this category. They had Sam Merrill last year. Um and they always lose in the turn. Like they lose in the tournament in the first round every single year against some tougher teams. So that's probably going to happen this year. But I like them in the tournament this year, even though they won it last year with Sam Merrill. Uh, but this year they still have Kada, who is a seven foot, just really, really quick and polished feet can move around. They still have the glue guy in Justin. I'll have a bowl with white rice, vegetables chicken to go no i'm I screwed up i'll have a bow with bowl with white rice and pinto bean justin bean right there you see what i i'm not, i'm no chris berman but i made the effort so i like this team uh they're they're scrappy they have a they've been there before most of the guys that were on the team last year absent merrill are back so i'm rolling with them it would be a treat if we got the same final as we did last year, that SDSU Utah state game where Sammy Merrill hits the game winning three. I think that was right before COVID really shut everything down. That was probably like the last awesome memory we had uh, of college basketball, but an even bigger treat, especially for your boy would be if Kings of Leon rice, that's how you Berman right there. Kings of Leon rice, Boise state is going to win the mountain West. I love this team. They battle hard. They kind of trailed off towards the end of the year. Uh, but I, I love Devin air Dutrieve. I love Emmanuel Acott. Obviously they have another, I think they have an NBA player uh, playing for them. I'm blanking on his name right now, but this is also a really good value pick. Broncos, I think are, are the three seed. Uh, so I'm going to go with, Boise State. I've actually been on them for quite some time all year. Also, don't sleep on Colorado State. Colorado State, State, excuse me, has this guy Roddy. Beefy, beefy guy. He actually reminds me a lot of a Ram. But Colorado State, if somehow they rattle off some games, I think they may be on the bubble according to maybe Palm or some other guys, Lunardi. If they rattle off a few games here in the Mountain West and they find themselves in the tournament, I would not be shocked if they actually won a tournament NCAA tournament game. So a lot of intriguing talent 
coming out of the Mountain West, but I'm going with the Broncos. Can you do the Justin? Can you do what I said? And you, you you're the one that says it, just so we have a clean version of it. His name is Justin. Justin Bean. I just want it on out there. I want you to be able to guy to do it. It's a lot of work. It's Justin, of work. I'll have a bowl to go with white rice and pinto bean. Noted. Okay. All right. Pack twelve. Um, Pac-12, I went Oregon um, just because of the coach aspect of this. I looked at it like USC is supposedly the best team. Colorado's hot. They might have the most um, most chemistry on the team. But then I look at Oregon, and they're the one seed, and they got Dana Altman, and they got Duarte, and they got guys that can shoot, and they're super athletic, and they're just, they always play well at this time of the year. So I just kind of stuck to the script, stuck to the game plan, and went with Oregon. What a machine those ducks are, huh? I mean, they, they started off slow. I think they had some COVID pauses, but you watched them the past month, month and a half. That backcourt, Will Richardson and Chris, Chris Duarte, I'm telling you right now, you don't want to face them in the in the tournament. Those guys will light you the fuck up. Oregon's a very good team. Well, just imagine if you had Peyton Pritchard with that, which is what their team was last year. They had all those guys. That was their backcourt. But see, I'm not going to do that because Peyton Pritchard's been there forever. I mean, it's not like Pritchard left after his sophomore year. No, I know, but that was their team last year. Was, I mean, they easily could have won the title last year with that team. With Peyton I Pritchard and the rest of what they have right now. I mean, that's how good they were last year. I love the I love Oregon. Awesome team. Dana Altman, the premier coach behind Mark Few, I would say, on the West Coast, really. Um, so I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I'm going to go Colorado. They're playing very well right now. Oregon has shown a penchant where they can be beat. And they're playing obviously incredibly well, but they can be beat. Colorado, I think, gets hot here, and Colorado has beaten Oregon. Do not sleep on McKinley Wright. He is another guy that's been there for virtually forever. Evan Beatty. You want to talk about a guy who maybe personifies his logo. So I'm going to go with Colorado to win the Pac-12. Last but not least here, Shark, your conference, the SEC. Who you got? Going Tennessee. It's now or never for Tennessee. I kind of like their path too. They played Florida. They'll get Florida in the second round. Pounded them this past weekend. Great matchup for us, even though we struggled with them when they had nobody playing earlier in the year. Uh, but th- that was one of those games where the Tennessee really exerted themselves in the second half. I like Tennessee to get by them, and then we get a rematch with Alabama. Um, first time we played Alabama was much closer. It was before Alabama went on their hot run. Now, Alabama is 16 and two. They're, they're pushing for a one seed, but I just, again, I, I go back to Tennessee's got experience in Pons and Fulkerson, um, and they got the talent that is there and you really just have to put the, put it together for a three or three day stretch. So it's now or never boys. Let's see if Tennessee can make some more noise than you slamming your phone down in the background. I don't know if the theater goers are able to hear that or not, but when, yeah, when we're, did we're I do picking that? it up oh, about just you know, 20 seconds ago or so. Is it this, this, or this? It's that one. All right, yeah, that was phone. The other one was a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go with Arkansas Razorbacks. This is our guy, Muscle Milk. I've been on Muscle Milk. Oh, oh. Not our guy, your guy. He's more, really you. You don't claim muscle milk? No, I don't like muscle milk. Really, I, I love I think, muscle milk. Yeah. I think muscle milk's a fraud. 
Well, he's going to prove you incorrect. He was a fraud uh, when I chose them, I think, to the final four, and they ended up losing to Florida in the first round a couple years ago. But Arkansas, very streaky, very hot right now. Uh, I think they can knock off a Bama, which they just did, actually. I think they can beat the upper echelon SEC teams as well. They are an upper echelon SEC team, as a matter of fact. So give me Arkansas right now. They're playing the best ball out of anyone in the conference, I would say. Uh but hug for Nate Oates. Nate Oates ended up winning the SEC Coach of the Year. I think Musselman, towards the end of the year, was really pushing them, though. Yeah, another team to watch out for is LSU. Um, they're they're starting to come around at the right point. But you're right, Arkansas proving themselves both at home where they're great and on the road. They've won, I think, close to 10 straight games. So they're, they're a good team. Let's finish it up now, Shark, with just a few quick hitters and segments. You had brought up an interesting point about previous title winners and if there's a correlation or not positive or negative between title winners and the cities that they play in. Do they play in sexy cities? Do they play in cold weather cities? Give me the criteria and lay out your hypothesis for the theater goers. Well, it it was brought up in the conversation of Thad Mata and not wanting to go live in Boston and everyone you know, why, why do you want to live there? And then I started thinking, all right, well, who are the teams that win? And if you go back until like 1995, every single school that has won a title is not from what I would describe as a sexy location. And to be sexy, you either have to be in a desirable city, a destination city, or you got to be in beautiful weather on a beach. I don't think any of the schools that have won since 1995 or either, either of that. Now you can come back to me and tell me Tucson, Arizona, I'd rebut with, I mean, that's the desert from what I understand. Um, you want to come back and try to, yeah. Am I, am I you wrong? Understand, no, no, you're not. I would come back and say how many major college basketball schools or just like colleges, I guess in general, like division one colleges are located in maybe not division one power conference or power schools are located in big, sexy cities is what I would say. I'm thinking off the top of my head. I'm thinking like Maryland, UCLA, USC, not Maryland, sorry, uh, Miami, excuse me. Yeah, um, there's there's certainly not a, a lot. I think if you were to pick a New York school, maybe like St. John's or something. Um, but yeah, Las Vegas, a New Orleans school, um, anything along those lines. Any, yeah, I mean, it's, there's not there's not a lot. So it's kind of a a cheap take from me, but it is it is a take. I'll say to your point about. I mean, I don't know if you brought this up or not, but like the the blue collar aspect of it. I think you could argue like Charlottesville, Virginia ended up when I mean that's a pretty white collar city, right? Pretty white collar town. Yeah, it's just a it's a small little wine town. I mean, it's it's somewhat big, but yeah, that's a it's a smaller place. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the past winners right now. Villanova is obviously in a major city, but it's not sexy. Or anything like that. You can't really claim like Philadelphia to be a big time sexy city. It's a big time city. Just I don't know if it's sexy. Yeah, I mean, there's I. You would need someone closer to Chicago. It, it is now, now that we kind of unpeel it a little bit. It is a cheap take because there's not a lot of candidates to win from those cities. I, I think yeah. that's what you're trying to say. But at the same time, then you got you can bring in destination beach cities and all that, like people that are close enough to the beach. I don't think Florida and Gainesville would quant count for that because they're pretty inland but yeah i think you could also make the case that's the the power teams located in these major cities 
should be a little disappointed in terms of their performance based on, let's say, recruiting. Right? If you're UCLA, if you're USC, and this goes for football also, why should your recruiting pitch, I mean, ASU, you're in a beautiful, beautiful weather city during school years, during play, or doing, during school months, excuse me, Miami as well. Why are you not able to out-recruit teams from like bumfuck nowhere? Is what I would say, especially if you're UCLA. UCLA should be out recruiting damn near anyone in basketball. Completely agree with that. UCLA, USC, no real excuse for those guys. Interesting, interesting topic of conversation if you want to bring that up with your group of friends as well. Let's go ahead and finish it up now with a couple quick segments. Shark back with Friday Bracketology. Who's in, who's out? Yeah, so... um I sent you my thoughts because I'm doing the Twitter for Lent thing right now. So I can't tweet on Fridays. I check Twitter on Sundays. Uh, you can break Lent on Sundays. But what I sent you was the, for the last four in, got to get the tournament PTO win, especially last week. You got to have that in at this point. Got to have that in. That's a must, must have. The Capital One commercials, I know that's one of your favorites right there. You know, you got Samuel L. Jackson. You got Jennifer Garner. You got the crew. They always show up around this time of the year. We're going to see the commercial a million times. So I'll let you touch on that point. MLB The Show is apparently on Xbox One now. Sub, I know that does not pertain to you, but it does to me. We haven't had a great baseball game on Xbox One in forever, so I'm excited about that. I'll get it after the tournament. Once we're in our malaise post-tournament, I'm trying to get excited about something again. We got opening day coming up. I'll get the show. And the last thing's picking up after yourself. You know, whether you're at a McDonald's at a rest stop or you're at home, you know, just pick up after yourself. You don't want to let someone else do it, you know? Leave the place better than you found. Two quick points. All very good uh, players in or teams in. Uh, one, yes, the Capital One stuff, get ready. Because you're going to be flipping from True TV to CBS to TBS to TNT. And you're going to be flipping and seeing the exact same commercials, right? So it might be the same thing to you, but it's obviously on different networks. Get used to seeing Samuel Jackson, Jackson Spike Lee, Charles Barkley. Get used to seeing these guys peddling Capital One ads. Very correct. Now, what was your third one? You had mentioned MLB the show on Xbox one and will be the show. You might not think that pertains to me. It actually does freshman year of college. My roommate had MLB the show and I wasn't really into it. Then I started playing it, ended up pretty much bogarting it, just declaring that it was mine. I remember he walked in one day and, and he said, Hey, mind if I get on the sticks and I had the audacity because I was in the middle of a season. I had the audacity to tell him, no, it was his fucking game. Who was I? I? I didn't even wasn't even aware that you played video games. For you guys listening, Subs, I know a lot of you guys are fired up about the theater and college hoops account. He's got a lot of cronies right now following him, people that like him. But Soup doesn't play fantasy sports. He doesn't play video games. He doesn't gamble. It's a very simple man. I do. I do play fantasy basketball because in the the general dismal daily grind. One of the best parts of my day is waking up and setting my lineup. I don't set my NBA lineup for the entire week. I look forward to those 15 fleeting seconds of saying, all right, do I want Giannis Antetokounmpo over, over some other guy? So I do play fantasy basketball, but those are the first four in. Good. First four out. We're, like, excuse me, last four in. Yes. Last four in. First four out, the ones on the other side of the bubble. I took injuries. This was fresh off of Gillespie. What a tragic loss right there. I mean, Villanova was one of those teams that could have won it this year. I liked them personally, um, but without him, they have no shot. I've seen MCL, ACL, who knows what it is. He's out for the year, and hopefully he can rebound and you know have a shot at playing in the NBA. 
um, after that, exiting a plane before your row. All right. Now I know sometimes people are trying to catch a layover. I mean, not a layover. Is it a layover? A connecting yeah, flight. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. You're, you're connecting flights taking off soon. So I get it. There's very few exceptions, but if you're two rows behind me and you're walking up to get your suitcase, that's a little in front of me, just so you can have it. You can have the warm and fuzzy about standing behind me with your suitcase. That's unacceptable. All right. Just live in the protocol. All right. It's not an efficient system. I'm with you. We can agree about the intricacies of the system, but there's no sense in you rushing to get ahead of my row for you to get off the plane before me. All right. Let's have some class. Let's have some dignity. Next one. Bars, not televising games. All right. You should never go into a city. I had a buddy of mine. He went to Chicago, actually your town a couple weeks ago, and he had asked them to put on the Chicago Bulls game. I mean, are you kidding me in Chicago? You ever seen the movie hardball? You know, that hardball, Keanu Reeves is slaving over that Bulls game. All right. What happened to that level of fanhood in towns? It happens sometimes in D.C. here, too. You know, that's unacceptable. If you want to be a sports town to ask the bartender to put on a game, I get it. If it's an obscure game and don't ever go too obscure, you know, just stick, play the hits. Like I was at, a, I was at a place in D.C. the other day. UNC Duke were playing, was playing. I wanted to watch. I wanted to watch St. Bonaventure. All right. I was like, I, gotta, I would say put on St. Bonaventure, but I don't want to be that guy. Right. Like I'm in Washington, D.C., Washington, uh, St. Bonaventure is 600 miles north of me. It's some town in New York. If I ask for the, them to put on the St. Bonaventure's game, they're going to look at me like I'm a freak show. All right. I can't do that. Uh, and then the last one's dead batteries. I mean, they suck. It's a weird one. This is weird that they snuck on the list. But anytime you get a dead battery or if you're working with triple A's or anything like that, a weird battery can ruin your whole uh, your whole momentum, the whole tempo that you've built up throughout the day. So dead batteries, first four out. Again, you you haven't missed with with a lot of these uh, dead batteries. I will quick, quick, quick. Uh, got a new TV recently. Had to try and turn it on with the remote. Thought they gave me some shitty batteries, and they did. They were shitty batteries. They were like the knockoff brand. Now, I'm not talking Duracell. I'm not talking anything like that. But there were these shitty, shitty batteries. TV wouldn't turn on. Ran to the Aldi across the street, got some other shitty batteries because that's all they had. TV still wouldn't turn on. Turns out that I just didn't plug it in properly. Uh, so figured that out, plugged it in properly. You want to talk about exiting your row before it's your turn. Never go to India. This is the second Indian reference I'm going to do on top of family karma. They take that as a mere suggestion. Anything that flight attendants will tell you. They just say, oh, okay, I appreciate the, the feedback. I'm going to do this my way. I'm telling you it is an absolute bull rush, not when the plane lands, but as you're hovering about above the ground to actually get wheels on the pavement. Uh, never go to India. Maddening well, experience on. if that actually so pisses you off. People are standing up on the plane, positioning themselves for the exit as you're about to land, uh, so at midair? Yes, it's 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 honestly a miracle that the overhead bins aren't getting popped open. You should be thankful for that. That's not were happening. You, These guys when are just you were there. Up. Did you expect that to happen when you were there, or were you kind of just witnessing it live? Well, I was there because I've grown up with Indian parents. I kind of get the vibe. But with my my fiance, who's a white person, uh, when she was there, she was appalled. I mean, it is appalling behavior. No, but I'm talking about the very first time you witnessed it. Did you expect it to happen? Or were you briefed on it beforehand? Did they bring you bring the cub and say, hey, cub, you, you got it. It's lawless, lawless once we start getting near the ground. I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't surprised. Like I saw it and I said, okay, okay. This makes a yeah. little bit of sense. Uh, so two, two items there. What was your third one again? I keep forgetting your third one. Oh, TV on in the bar. TV on at the bar. Yeah. 
infuriating. Be, it is. It is infuriating. It should be part. It's almost like a liquor license. You need to have a TV license. You need to be able to follow all the rules to sell liquor. You should also be able to follow a certain set of rules on having, if you own a sports bar, you got to have a, a feel for which games need to be on. And then, of course, Colin Gillespie, sincere hug for him. Uh, truly brutal to see a great player go down his senior year. He can't go out on probably a high note that Villanova was going to go on. All right. So that was Friday Bracketology. Let's end it real quick with this week in feet. As a matter of fact, Colin Sexton's shot game winner in the sec tournament. And then Isaiah Thomas's shot game winner championship winner for the pack 10, uh, all the way back in Los Angeles this week in feet. The reason I brought up Sexton and you'd enjoy this. The Sexton shot was announced by Joe Tessitore. Do or die for Bama. Must win to make the NCAA tournament. Sexton got it. He got it. He got it. Roll Tide. They did it. And someone, a Twitter account, had brought it up. And Tessitore, with an all-time Tessitore response, just absurd, ridiculous. He goes, fun to see again. Never disappoints. Nothing absurd about that. Then he says, always fuels me. The Colin Sexton shot and Tessitore's call of it always fuels him. Do we do we need to put Tessitore in the pantheon of ridiculous announcers? I mean, we're, we, we got like Rothstein, just ridiculous people in college basketball. Rothstein, Buzz Williams. I mean, who am I forgetting here? We, we reference a lot of people. Does Tess need to be in there now? Enzo, the Calamari. I mean, he, he's jazz riffing, bro. Uh, we're, we're referencing the most ridiculous article of all time on the ringer. But, um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really call college basketball games anymore. I still love Joe Tessitore. He's got a great voice. He always brings the energy. Um, whatever gets him motivated and gets him, gets him rolling to have those calls, I'm all for it. So I'm not going to hate on Joe Tess. It's BC, man. Uh, before we get out of here, we want to remind you that we are brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go ahead and subscribe. But also, on Monday, we will be publishing a live edition of Selection Sunday. So not pre-recorded or anything like that. We're going to be going live on Selection Sunday. It'll be published to you guys uh, come Monday. Be on the lookout for that. We're going to get some live reactions as Gumble, Clark Kellogg, our guys take us through each and every selection, each and every bracket. It's going to be great. I'm still trying to get some fans of bubble teams on. I might get McGinnis on for Duke. Let's see. I, I need Duke to win maybe one or two more games, maybe even get to the semifinal, but not necessarily win the ACC conference, obviously, because that would be an automatic qualifier. But we'll see who we get on. I think I'll have the the crier as well. They're going to be big Easter bust also. So Sunday is going to be a blast. It's the holy day. Settle in. Enjoy the weekend. Like I said, get your minutes in because come this upcoming weekend and next week, it's going to be all eyes on college basketball. We want to thank you again for listening to us. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. I was in a tunnel and couldn't see the light And whenever I'd look up, I couldn't see the sky Sometimes when I'm standing, it seems like I didn't walk for miles And my heart could be crying, dead in the middle of a smile
But then I climbed the hills and saw the mountains mm. I hollered help cause I was lost Then I felt the strong wind Heard a small voice saying the storm is over The storm is over now And I can see the sunshine Somewhere beyond the clouds I feel heaven, yeah Heaven is over me Come on and set me free Now in the midst of my battle All hope was gone Downtown in a rush crowd And felt all alone And every now and then I felt like I would lose my mind I've been racing for years And still no finish line Oh, But then I climbed the hills And saw the mountains All of help cause I was lost Then I felt the strong wind And then a small voice Saying the storm is over The storm is over I can see the sunshine Somewhere beyond the clouds I can feel heaven Heaven is over me Come on and set me free Somehow my beginning stepped right in. Right in. Then faith became my friend. my friend. And now I can depend on the voices of the wind. When it's saying, storm is over, storm is over now. And I can see the sunshine. Won't you come and set me free? Won't you set me free? 